1 Samuel chapter 2, 12 through 21. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, Let them burn the fat first, then take as much as you wish, he would say, No, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, we are in First Samuel. And last time I was with you, Will, we were reading Romans, yeah. I think. And so we were... A little different. Re- yeah, it's a little different. It's very doctrinal. Mm-hmm. Lots of like long sentences that were explaining <laughs> rich ideas. And now we're... Uh, um, this is refreshing to be in the in the story mm-hmm. um, leading up to all those wonderful things um and you know the story of samuel is is so interesting and i know y'all have been talking about kind of how he in a sense is pointing to to the yeah. salvation work that god is doing um but the thing that stands out to me in this little passage here is this this contrast that we're seeing yeah. between like the sons of eli and samuel mm. And some of the notes that uh, the author is pointing out to us, like they did not know the Lord yeah. and and the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. Just these little little side comments that I think are really mm-hmm. helpful. And um, and so, yeah, so these kinds of things, are they're, they're important when you're going through narrative is to, I think, see like how is the author juxtaposing yeah. characters? Um, so any, in, in light of some of those things, is there anything that stands out to you from this little section, particularly related to like the sons of Eli and and Samuel? Yeah, well, I think context is really important. So obviously in the old Testament, the priests were of the tribe of Levi and what we kind of find in the Torah when the Lord is, is sort of organizing his people is the, the Levites actually have the smallest portion you know, in, in terms of land and, and material wealth, they have the smallest portion of all the tribes because their portion is the tabernacle and mm-hmm. like the actual presence of God. And they are the tribe that's charged with, you know, consecrating themselves and interceding for God's people. And because of this, they had this sort of special privilege where all the other tribes were expected to 
help take care mm-hmm. of the tribe of Levi mm-hmm. because you know they they didn't have the same livestock and land and everything and what we're really seeing here is not just like it's obviously these two worthless men as as the word of God calls them these two worthless men who are leveraging political power but it, it's actually uh, sorry religious power but it's actually like this larger you know political structure it, it's this big story of injustice where they are perverting um, the actual society that God has designed um, mm. and we're kind of, we're kind of seeing sin infect this this structure of the Lord and you know it's also just in light of the the cultural moment that we live in and that we have been living in for the past decade and that we're especially living in now you know the whole idea of abusing religious authority is you know it is so abhorrent and so prominent right now we we're seeing more and more of it surface every day like really in every denomination and then in non-denominational churches and in different religions you know and it's just because we are like humans are infected to the core with selfishness with selfish ambition with greed and that's what we see here and yeah tell me Mm -hmm. like let's talk about i guess the lord's um i guess one more thought is that it's interesting how this persists for a long time Mm -hmm. you know we long for the justice of god to be quick and immediate but it's not always quick and immediate so Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on the sight of the Lord in this passage. Yeah, yeah. And I love what you just said there too. Like um, we expect God's justice on sin to be immediate. But I think that relates to this like uh, verse in verse 17. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. It's almost like it was just expanding. Mm-hmm. Like the greatness of their sin, their contempt towards God's order towards his structures, towards the things that he has put in place and yeah. asked his people to submit to. They're just continuing to to selfishly mm-hmm. abuse those things and use them for their own purposes and um, and for themselves. And and God uh, is watching it happen. Mm-hmm. And and that's another helpful thing about reading like through the Old Testament is just how much patience and and forbearance we see in God's character and mm-hmm. in God's nature. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's important for us to see just the the patience of God and the, the and like not to neglect the fact that he is going to execute full uh, satisfying judgment mm. and justice. Like he is absolutely going to take full vengeance against sin. And in fact, he's already done that mm-hmm. in Christ. Yeah. But in an even fuller sense, like through Christ, when he returns, he's going to absolutely remove all sin. And that's going to be the ultimate yeah. uh, act of justice and judgment. And and so I say all those things because I think that in, in a sense, Samuel and really the people, the faithful people of God mm-hmm. throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament are people who know that about God. Mm, yeah. and that's the thing that these sons of Eli didn't know. They, it says they didn't know God. They didn't know his character, who he was. And so, of course, they wouldn't submit yeah. to what God has called them to do. Absolutely. Um, and and that's the same today. You know, yeah. in any sort of situations where we're seeing, you know, perversion and rampant wickedness, um, as 
James calls things, uh, it's because ultimately we don't know God. We don't know yeah. his character. We don't love him. And, and so in light of that, uh, repentance looks like, oh, I need to go back to the Lord. I need to look back to who he is, to yeah. what his character is and, um, and submit to him ultimately. Um, yeah. that's, that's the, that's the fruit I think of someone who knows God is they do submit to what he's called them to. Yeah. And, you know, I think ultimately, and as we go through, you know, with these story passages, the great temptation is to read ourselves as the main character mm-hmm. and to think I'm David, I'm Samuel, I'm Levi, you know, whatever. Uh, and, you know, we, the kind of term for that that's surfaced recently is narcissus. you know, instead of exegesis where you're, where you're pulling meaning out of the text itself, Narcissus is reading yourself into the text. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think what what is the purpose? We have this great con- contrast here. So, you know, this is also not ultimately about the environment that we live in. You know, this isn't about 21st century worthless religious leaders. This is not about the SBC. It's not mm-hmm. about the PCA. You, you know, it's about this story you know and and so what do we see here we see these worthless religious leaders who are perverting the practice of worship to to the lord Mm -hmm. and then we have this young boy who's growing in wisdom and stature who is you know he's faultless in this passage you know we he's ministering before the Lord mm-hmm. is what we, what we see. We have this idea that he's bringing pure undefiled worship. And you know, what do we see later in scripture, but God eternal as a child in the temple teaching, mm-hmm. you know, reading, mm-hmm. asking mm-hmm. questions. And, and, you know, I, I think that this is just such a great um, picture of Samuel. Samuel's a mini salvific figure who brings uh, a momentary, you know, relief to Israel, but he points to a redeemer mm-hmm. who brings eternal comfort to his people. Mm-hmm. Amen. And we'll keep seeing, I think, echoes of of that as we keep reading through uh, for Samuel. So for Will Carlisle, uh, I'm Jeremy Brooks, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.